When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Turf Show Time and Kenneth Arthur of Turf Show Times with me every week, J.B. Scott. We talk about the Rams and we discuss the Rams and we do our best to, to get hyped up for these Rams every week, you know, and I think uh, since 2017, haven't had to deal with dire straits, bad situations, meaningless games at all, you know, even going back to 2019 you know it wasn't necessarily the most fun year but finishing nine and seven you've got something to get hyped up for and this is the worst start under Sean McVay ever in his head coaching career and the Rams trying to get back in the win column this weekend against the New Orleans Saints another team that seems to be spiraling out of control one that certainly I think will fire their head coach as opposed to the Rams where Definitely not going to fire Sean McVay, and definitely this is that would not be a good idea, um, I think. But it's two teams that need a win to get back some sort of optimism. So, and by the way, JB, two teams that don't have first round picks next year. Maybe we could start there. You know, the the Saints are where they're at, and they don't have a first round pick next year, which could end up being the top five, if not the number one pick going to the Philadelphia Eagles of all teams and the Rams uh, at three and six. And right now sending pick number seven, as you wrote to the Detroit lions. So, you know, it's not out of bounds, especially if the Rams lose this weekend to suggest that the Rams will have a higher pick that they're giving up than even the saints. And so we'll be talking about them in that way. So who's in a worse situation for the future, or let's just say the near future of 2023, the Rams or the Saints? Yeah, I think you got to go with the Saints just because, you know, I don't think Dennis Allen is a bad coach, but whenever you lose Sean Payton and, you know, the year before you lost Drew Brees, that's a major, you know, underhaul that you're taking. And I don't know that he is the right guy because you really see the play calling on offense and the scheme. It's just not the same as it used as it once was, but also, you know, it was towards the top of the league. So, Dennis Allen, probably a great defensive coordinator is whenever he goes after this is going to be, you know, a great part of that team, uh, of that team that he joins moving forward, but maybe not the right guy at the right time for this New Orleans Saints team. And yeah, they probably regret that trade last year uh, with the, with the Dolphins, I believe, are the Eagles to, you know, they got Chris Olave, they got, you know, Travis Penning kind of mortgaged those two picks and, you know, said, what the heck with 2023, they were a team that they thought could compete this year, similar to the Rams, right? And you know, couldn't be further from the truth. And, you know, Jameis Winston got injured. They're playing Andy Dalton. And, you know, that's not necessarily good news for the Rams because you've lost games too. You know, you almost lost to Marcus Mariota in week two with that big comeback. You've lost to Jimmy Garoppolo twice. Cooper Rush, KJ Walker had a lead on you at halftime. So um, Colt McCoy beat you last week. So I'm not sure you can take solace in the fact that you face someone like Andy Dalton next week because with the way you're playing on defense, he's perfectly fine to take the dink and dunk and, you know, he might be you know paying your backside this weekend. Yeah, JB, you know, I think like with Dennis Allen, my thought is, 
here's a guy who has never even had a mediocre season, you know, four and 12, four and 12, oh, and four with the Raiders, three and seven this year with the Saints. And I do want to give anybody a mulligan if they coach for the Raiders. Although you could also say that being hired by the Raiders is a huge red flag, you know, to some degree. So that is another thing about it. But I look back at it, JB. I mean, he had Carson Palmer when he was with the Raiders. Uh, He had a rookie, Derek Carr, but Derek Carr, nonetheless, he had Khalil Mack and they were just awful. So I I really wonder uh, with Dennis Allen, who, takes over, you know, a team that was consistently going into the playoffs and did have Drew Brees, um, who I think was certainly responsible for a lot of the Saints' success in the first eight or so years of his career there. But then I think the team started carrying him. They did a really good job of it with that defense and the offensive line, especially, and then just so many fantastic draft picks that didn't have to happen on in the first round. You know, that that is something else where – as much as I think the Saints, like you say, yeah, they're in a bad position for sure because they have to figure out the quarterback. They don't have their number one uh, pick, uh, which could end up being top three and could have been used on somebody like Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or whoever your poison is. But at the end of the day, the Saints, you know, they've made so many good draft picks and they've focused on the offensive line. And it's kind of a wonder that they're this bad, which is why I do think Dennis Allen will be fired, should be fired. Uh, Probably uh, will go back to being a great defensive coordinator, as you noted. But I definitely think that the Saints have done a lot of really uh, good things um you know even evolutionary football things like the drew Brees sean payton marriage in 2006 like you know really changed football in many ways and offensive football um what would you like to see the rams kind of copy from the saints in their draft plan do you think that they will finally start you know it's it's kind of hard to over criticize them for not drafting offensive linemen, say on day two, and, and when people complained about all the two two Atwells and everything like that, which I get it. But um, do you think that the Rams will finally, maybe if they have pick thirty seven or something like that, you know, go for a, a left tackle or a guard? Yeah, I don't know that I'm still in the the boat of you got to spend your highest draft pick on a lineman. Uh, you got to have skill players. You got to have speed players. That's what this roster is entirely devoid of is, you know, just top tier athleticism. And if you have a pick toward that's almost a first rounder, I think that's where you got to go. But, you know, a lot of ways, the Rams and Saints are both very much maligned teams and how they run because the Saints always go up right against the cap every single year heading into the offseason. Right. And then they restructure and they mortgage the future. It's like a credit card. They just keep swiping it and pushing it off into the future. They made, you know, these draft picks where they're trading up for Olave and Penning. And if you go back, you know, Marcus Davenport was another one where they gave up a first future first round pick to get. So and we know how the Rams team build model is also, you know, criticized often. And But they got the Super Bowl and you say you give them the benefit of the doubt and you say, hey, it worked. But maybe you take your pain points in the next couple of years and that's the true cost of it. Right. But the Rams are giving the Detroit Lions now their eighth. What is well, the eighth overall pick for 2023? That should be a cornerstone of your franchise. And if you look at the players who have been drafted in the you know, seventh, eighth overall the last decade, these are true impact players. And the ones you build your future around, just like you went out and got Jalen Ramsey, this is the kind of player we're talking about, the Aaron Donalds, Jalen Ramsey, Bobby Wagner's you have on your roster. And you know that's going to be a big piece that you're missing moving forward. And the Lions are going to reap those benefits. And the future of those teams are 
you know, tied together just because of that. Yep. Yep. I uh, see that too. Yeah, definitely. I, I appreciate that as well, because I want to clarify for myself, you know, I'm not ready to uh, spend all the picks on offensive linemen either. Uh, so that's a great point. And the things that the Rams need, well, we could go, we could go on for days. We could do a whole episode just on the, the Rams needs, uh, including quarterback, you know, even if the Rams did sign Stafford to a new contract, I mean, to me, if there's a guy there at the top of the second round who you're sitting there going, oh, I think this guy is like Lamar Jackson, or, you know, I think this guy's like Jalen Hurts, and uh, the, the NFL just didn't value him properly. Well, JV, I think, you know, you got to pull that trigger because, you know, we've seen how many more doors that'll open up, you know, if you're the Eagles and what they were able to do by being able to trade Carson Wentz because of Jalen Hurts. Um, And, uh, you know, the Ravens obviously um, structuring the whole offense around Lamar Jackson and and having a lot of success um, in the regular season. So uh, even quarterback has to be up for grabs. You know, I'm going to be, I really want to be the guy in sports who's associated with Grayson McCall. So in case you didn't know, uh, Tell them Kenneth Arthur and Grayson McCall are a pair. And uh, that is the guy that I would pick with the number two pick. Uh, And he won't even go probably on day two. So uh, Grayson McCall, Coastal Carolina, uh, you know, there's going to be some questions about his arm strength. But if Sean McVay were to, I mean, this is his like John Wolford times 10. I mean, if he likes John Wolford, Grayson McCall is like, a, a, an old Wolferty player who's much, 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 much better, has the most insane accuracy in college football. Uh, I would put him right up there with Bryce Young. So, hey, Grayson McCall will definitely be there on day two if the Rams uh, want to take my advice. I just wanted to really associate that, JB. Uh, thought on, yeah, a quarterback going on day two? Hey, Tyler Thigpen is another Coastal Carolina alumni, right? made a lot of plays back in the Chiefs when they're moving on from the Trent Green era, right? And, you know, brought the pistol offense of the NFL back before it was kind of in vogue. And, hey, I'm all for those small school quarterbacks, Coastal Carolina. I think that'd be really interesting. But, you know, definitely you're tied to Matthew Stafford financially probably until after the 2025 season. You can't move on with him without significant, you know, dead cap. And that's going to weigh you down moving forward. But just look at the situation you're in with John Wolford. He is not an NFL caliber quarterback. He does not belong on this Rams roster other than maybe he's, you know, can hold a clipboard and really bring a mental aspect to the game. You know, as devoted as he is and how he prepares for his role, he might be a future coach and he can be helpful in that regard. But he at throwing the football, he's not an NFL talent level talent. You got to bring in I if it, even if it's your first pick in the draft, you know, maybe like 40 overall, like you said, pretty high, and you find a quarterback that you like sitting there. Absolutely take him just because that can change the course of the franchise for the next 10 to 15 years. If you have a guy that you can believe in and then Sean McVay's buying into that he can develop moving forward and into the future. I think that's incredibly exciting. You have to do it, even though you might have Matthew Stafford on your roster, despite that fact. So, uh, you know, he's 34 years old, going to be 35 for the 2023 season. You know, he's not a, he's not a young chicken anymore, not a spring chicken. So maybe as we've seen this year, he's having the worst season since his rookie year. Maybe it's time to move on. I'm not against it. And I mean, JB, we're talking about also a guy who gets hit a ton, you know, every game and now is coming out of concussion protocol. You know, this 
this isn't a, a finger injury. You know, this is like he's playing behind, he's been playing by one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. Maybe this version we see against the Saints this week will look semi-normal as the Saints could have all four, four of five starters that they want, and Ty Nisecki probably starting at left tackle. So there's definitely uh, some hope there, reason for optimism. He loses his only weapon, Cooper Cup, for a month. You know, so there's that part of it, and I'm sure that will change the Rams' game plan somewhat. Maybe we'll finally see some of these, um, you know, high percentage shots to two two Atwell. I don't know why we haven't even tried to see that. But I think ultimately Stafford is just one hit away maybe from his career being over. You know, they don't see him and uh, Kelly Stafford don't seem to, uh, or at least Kelly Stafford doesn't seem to um, thrilled about uh, all this concussion stuff and how it never has and always has been uh, outspoken against it. So, uh, or, you know, very fearful of outspoken of how fearful she is and wants to do, do all the necessary things. So, you know, it could just be one hit. So I think definitely the Rams would be in such an insanely negative position if they lost Matthew Stafford uh, at all, you know, like if, ne- if next season it was like Andrew Luck last minute, there's no Stafford. I mean, the Rams could be the worst team in the NFL. They're already pushing that button uh, or I should say, you know, rubbing up against it with Matthew Stafford. So uh, that's really a scary situation. So there's got to be some insurance plan and what, and maybe the draft isn't going to be the best way to go about that just because uh, readiness and experience and all that kind of stuff could be the combination of the draft. And, you know, this time going out and, and signing a guy like Andy Dalton, much as you don't ever want to see Andy Dalton, you know, it's, it's better than seeing John Wolford. Speaking of not wanting to see Andy Dalton, the Saints choosing between Dalton and Jameis Winston as their starting quarterback, because they've gotten pretty uh, predictably bad results from both. And uh, I'm not exactly sure if it's been announced yet if who is going to start. Um, has, has, have you heard anything on that, JB? I don't think it's official, but I'd be surprised if it's anyone but Dalton. But I'm the smallest Jameis Winston fan in the entire world, probably. <laughs> well, I mean, I thought, you know, I was shocked to some degree that the Bucks didn't re-sign him. And then obviously Tom Brady was the plan, but... I was always expecting him to just go like, oh, they'll, they'll just re-sign him because that's what teams always did for so many years. You had a guy like James Winston. Yes, he threw 30 interceptions. He also led the league in yards and touchdowns. And, and while I realize that's just not that important uh, in the grand scheme of things, that's what those are the mistakes the teams used to make all the time. Oh, yeah, we'll just sign him, you know. And they're not doing that anymore because the contracts are so massive. James Winston, his contract's so ridiculous uh, that even if the Saints cut him, They'll still have to pay him $11 million next year, $8 million the year after that, $4 million the year after that, and $2 million, all of these void years uh, just to keep Jameis Winston. And now they're not even – they don't even want him compared to Andy Dalton. So I think um, that is the the downside of Jameis Winston, although I think there are – he does things where he does give teams opportunities to win sometimes, and Andy Dalton has not done that, you know, since uh, early in his career. 
the practice injury report for the Saints, uh, the guys who did not practice were linebacker Pete Warner, who's a big star uh, emerging there at linebacker. Some saying he's the best inside off ball, whatever you call it, linebacker in the NFL. He didn't practice. Guard Andrews Pete didn't practice. Cornerback Marshawn Lattimore didn't practice. Defensive end Cam Jordan didn't practice. Running back Mark Ingram, left tackle James Hurst, safety JT Gray, and the aforementioned Marcus Davenport all did not practice on Thursday, JB. Um, hypothetically, if all those players didn't play, uh, is there any excuse for the Rams not to win this game? No, other than the fact that when you talk about the Rams offensive line, just when things are starting to come together and you're about to have five guys on this unit that you felt good about, you lose Alaric Jackson and you lose Chandler Brewer for the foreseeable future, right? And so now you're playing Ty Naseki, who he's 37 years old. Why would you trot him out there other than to, I guess you have to protect Matthew Stafford, right? Keep him healthy moving into 2023. But what benefit is there in running out a 37-year-old journeyman? Why not see Alaric Jackson? Why not try to move David Edwards, who's a guard? But, you know, he's kind of skinny, has the frame. He could probably play tackle. Why not put him out there? So I'm I'm not a fan of trotting out in a secchi. I want to give the young guys a shot so they can gain experience moving into next year. Just because, you know, if one of these guys really break out in a big way, that might save you where you can use a draft pick on, you know, wide receiver, tight end, corner, something like that that can have a more dynamic effect on this roster moving forward. Let's do a couple Saints rapid, or I should say a few Saints like rapid fire questions, JB. I'm going to throw some at you. Uh, So you said you were a Jameis Winston fan. So rapid fire. um, I mean, do you think that the Saints should start Jameis Winston? No, I'm absolutely not a Jameis Winston fan. And in the same way that the same way that I have a hard time, you know, watching Matthew Stafford turn the football over, I think, you know, Jameis Winston is at times 100 probably. So, you know, I, I'm very much like the quarterbacks that's in the Drew Brees mold. Uh, dink and dunk, take what's there. Don't be over aggressive. Um, more dangerous weapon on the Saints, Alvin Kamara or Michael Thomas? Yeah, I mean, you could even put Chris Olave in there too, right? He, Even though he's a rookie, he looks like a savvy veteran. But uh, you yeah, had to go with Michael Thomas. He's just too good, too steady. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think uh, Chris Olave – um, is probably the most dangerous weapon on the Saints this season for sure. That brings me to my next question. Chris Olave, best rookie wide receiver in the NFL, question mark. Yeah, Drake London probably is the next best option. Uh, I just really like London's skill set. He's fast, he's big, he can do it all. And whenever you have him next to Kyle Pitts, even though Pitts isn't having a productive year, you got the Twin Towers. It'd be pretty awesome to watch that unfold with a superstar quarterback too. Would you rather be able to add Cam Jordan or Marshawn Lattimore to the Rams defense? Yeah, I think the Rams could probably use Cam Jordan a little bit more with that edge rush. Compliment Aaron Donald just because he's getting triple teamed the entire season. And even though he he, he has no chance to make an impact, so Cam Jordan. Yeah, you know, the I, I mentioned, you know, the Saints and their draft history, and they've added – you know, some really great players through the draft, first round, second round, undrafted free agents, you know, all through the draft, you know, Pete Warner, like I said, was available to everybody and seems to be um, playing at the highest level. Um, They signed Tyron Matthew in the uh, off season as well. Um, And he's played in every game, which is not very common. Not very many saints have played in every game this season and throws at Marshawn Lattimore have uh, not been going good as uh, 
usually the case, you know, I think it's been kind of a up and not like necessarily like the most up and down career for Marshawn Lattimore, but you know, there's definitely been higher times maybe than some other times. Uh, It's just hard for me at this point to feel like the saints have any bit, you know, how could they even be competing with teams? Um, Which I guess maybe is another point is a point in favor of Dennis Allen, but I just don't know how they could be competing with teams. At the same time, uh, JB feels like a very talented roster uh, in a lot of other key areas. Like, do you think this, like, where are you ranking the Saints in your power rankings? I mean, they, for 2023, they might, you know, have a chance to be back, right? If they can get, but you got to get the quarterback figured out too. And whenever you have the offensive line, it really raises a difficulty level for your quarterback. And that's the same thing that's put the Rams behind the eight ball this year, where, you know, Matthew Stafford can't be Matthew Stafford. He can't hold the ball and push and be aggressive and be dynamic and, you know, find these receivers, you know, deep. But, you know, that's what Jameis Swinson likes to do too. And maybe that's why Andy Dalton gives you a better shot because he's going to get the ball out quick. He's going to play dink and dunk. And he's going to find those underneath spots. But, you know, as juxtaposed to Dalton, you know, Matthew Stafford kind of struggles in that area. So it's going to be something to watch play out this weekend. I see on footballoutsiders.com, DVOA, the Rams currently ranked 28th overall, 27th on offense, 15th on defense, 31st in special teams, which is, you know, I would have, I would argue the hardest maybe to judge. Then again, it could be the easiest. Uh, do you feel that? Do you feel 31st in special teams? Uh, no, not necessarily, but I can't, I can't say I watch it that closely also, but uh, you know, Dixon's been okay. Matt Gay's been you know reliable. Maybe, you know, Brandon Powell hasn't really broken out much and maybe it's penalties or something. I'm not sure. Yeah. The Brandon Powell thing is interesting as well as, you know, to some degree, even though Tutu Atwell didn't do a bunch of, uh, he did some kickoff returns, you know, but it was more like this guy could be really good on special teams. And again, he's just, he can't even play. Uh, are you rooting for Tutu Atwell to, to make appearances or do you just want the whole situation to go away? I just don't understand. The Rams offense is struggling. You can't get anything going. You can't build any momentum, but you keep trying the same thing every single week. And, you know, you maybe you're mixing up in the backfield with these running backs. No one's really taken over that room. But, you know, you have Cooper Cup, you have Allen Robinson. You know, Van Jefferson hasn't done much since his return. Ben Skronik is a really limited receiver. Though, you know, it's exciting when he plays fullback, right? But when Tutu Atwell's on the field and he has two touches this year, both of them are so exciting. And, you know, according to Next Gen Stats, he broke 21 miles an hour on both of those touches. So, you know, if you give him the ball deep, you get him on these jet sweeps. It just changes the dynamic of this offense, and it's exciting. And shame on Sean McVay and Liam Cohn for not getting him involved. I think it, I don't see how it could be a bad thing, honestly. Yeah, you know, it's very. Um, I feel like there's always so many various reasons that they that they just won't be transparent about, or can't be transparent about, or they don't feel comfortable being transparent about. But, you know, if Tutu Howell could have, like you said, the, the Rams are trying to add speed and athleticism and, and do all these things to the draft. You know, they consistently use next-gen stats to find players. Uh, I know Les Need has said he prefers that and doesn't even care about 40 times. And so it's like you go out there and you do get all these fast players. So if Tutu Atwell, I mean, you don't even give him opportunities. He didn't have any preseason. You know, it's like, 
there was all this talk of protecting him. Um, but at the end of the day, is is it just a matter of they've only got two plays for Tutu Atwell, you know, in the entire playbook that they feel he can execute? You know, how, how could there not be uh, a single running play, a jet sweep? Uh, how could there not be, you know, a screen? How could there not be any of these opportunities that just like, okay, put the ball in his hands. I don't even care if he loses five yards. I don't even care if he fumbles the football. Just let's see what happens, you know? And that's like where the transparency of just being like, well, yeah, we don't feel like he's ready, you know, or whatever it is, because clearly it's not a, a lack of need you know it's it's looking at the rams and seeing you know look at all that they had to go through last season at the wide receiver position um after cooper cup where it was like they had robert woods they had deshaun jackson they drafted tutu atwell one year after drafting van jefferson they drafted ben skaronic and uh and then they added odell beckham jr and and did all of these things just so that when they got to the super bowl it was uh, Cobb, Jefferson, um, and Skoranek, you know, and it's like all of those things. So now we're seeing how the fact that the Rams signed Allen Robinson for this very reason, that the, the, there's so much attrition at the position that you're going to lose players. And it's such an important position that it just becomes more mind numbing that when you look at guys like AJ Brown and Terry McLaurin and DK Metcalf, all of these other day two wide receiver picks who are the best players in the league. And somehow the Rams chose Van Jefferson and Tutu Atwell. And I mean, Van Jefferson and Tutu Atwell both probably drafted two or three rounds higher than they could have gone. Um, both, both a little bit uh, surprising. I know that there's like, well, he's a like of this guy and, and that and everything, but not dynamic, like, I could, you know, there's just so many reasons to say like, yeah, they didn't really seem like second round picks at the time. Um, and it doesn't feel that way. Uh, do, do you feel that way about Van Jefferson and the Tutu Atwell picks or do you just feel like it was good process, bad results? I've never really liked the Van Jefferson pick just because at the time you had Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. And you know, the idea was you just got you just lost Brandon Cooks when you drafted him. That was the pick you got from the Texans to, in order to get Jefferson right. And the whole idea was, well, he's a clone of Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. Well, that's not that's not what you need. You don't need three identical players. You need Brandon Cooks brought an element of speed and took the top off the defense to open it up for those guys. And I just wasn't a a, bit, a big fan of you know having three very similar receivers. You, my view of the passing attack in the NFL, and you see teams like the Chiefs and you know all these different teams. The great teams have different skill sets. Was if you build a basketball team, you have your speed guy, you have your deep guy, you have your big physical, you know, slot receiver or something with which you have in Cooper Cup. So, the diversity of skill sets is so important, and you know, that's why I didn't like Jefferson pick, and he hasn't really broken out much. You know, he had 800 yards last year, but it might have been the quietest, quietest 800 yards in NFL history. Uh, Tutu well, I didn't mind that pick, but I think the Rams. You can blame the offensive line, sure, but the Dolphins, in terms of analytics, the Dolphins' offensive line is you know, ranked really similarly to the Rams. Other than the fact is they have the speed in Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, but Tua is throwing with such anticipation that, you know, doesn't have the biggest arm in the world, but can still get the ball out to these guys deep because he throws it so early. So I don't really view the offensive line as an excuse in that regard. Uh, but, you know, who knows what's really holding back Tutu Well, as you said, there's probably something behind the scenes. So I, I really don't know where this passing attack goes moving forward. And, and in my opinion, 
you know, I, I don't, I, I mean, it's so interesting, JB, to, to have this thought process where I, I, I want to criticize the Rams. And at the same time, they won the Super Bowl last year. And this feels like a very understandable response to that. You know, it's like, I understand that the Rams did everything in their power to run it back and repeat. Um, but the fact that they're looking this bad through nine games and have struggled to like put the right pieces together and keep the right players in place and all that kind of stuff. It's not surprising either, you know, given all of that they invested and all that they've tried to avoid investing in with the draft is, and, and it's like, yeah, this might just be the consequence of that. I think the way that the Rams tried to avoid this very situation was through making, you know, 10, 11, 12 draft picks every year, sometimes in a lot of those being in the sixth and seventh round. And they thought, well, shit, uh, some guys are good in the sixth and seventh round or, or whatever. But really, rounds two through seven, it's just been really bad ever since 2018. And there has to be some maybe pattern there. It could be a coincidence. Um, but I really think we see so many guys, especially now, come into the league and play at a high level. And it's not the way that it used to be. And, and teams are forcing these guys or putting these guys in position to learn on the fly as fast as they can. And that's because of how expensive the guys like Matthew Stafford and Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey have become. So when they're trying to pay all those guys, it's like, yeah, we need production right now from a rookie wide receiver like Chris Olave. You know, the, the, the Saints have a lot of young players and they've always put young players in that position. I think the special players come out right away and it doesn't matter if you're drafting the sixth round, seventh round, look at Tariq Woolen of the Seattle Seahawks, fifth round pick who is playing like one of the top cornerbacks in the NFL. I mean, that's a very lucky diamond in the rough. I'm not saying that the Rams should just go out there and be amazing with every day three draft pick. But I, I, there was really weird process in a lot of their decisions on the draft. And and it's not that surprising to me that a lot of these players haven't really panned out yet. But what I really care about more than anything else is, wow, in your first year you showed out, which is also why it's so surprising that Jordan Fuller isn't good anymore. Um, and that's been surprising too. But I think it, that's when you kind of – none of the guys that have come around and, and been like, yeah, the Rams just wait three or four years to start, guys. Uh, a lot of those guys, like David Long or Bobby Evans, whoever it is, no, it turns out there's no getting better, you know. And I'll say one more thing. It reminds me of um, how when I was growing up as a kid, my grandparents and my mom and everyone, you know, I was always a big, heavy kid. They would say, oh, you'll grow out of it. Keep eating. Keep eating. You'll grow out of it. So I kept eating. But I never grew out of it. I just ended up a very overweight guy in high school and college. And then I had to, you know, get rid of all that weight. But it's like, it's all those grandparents and parents telling you, no, no, keep eating. It's healthy. It's healthy. You're going to grow out of it. You know, there's no growing out of it. You know, and the, the Rams are not growing out of all those bad draft picks, uh, as it turns out. I want production right away. So if you're Van Jefferson and you're kind of mediocre in your third year or you're too, too out well and you can't get on the field in the second year or you're Cam Akers, you know, all these picks, I'm just going, 
yeah, they're not as special as the guys that win championships. So uh, that's kind of my little rant, I guess, there on the draft. I'll give you an opportunity to respond if you have anything to say. Yeah, I, I like that you brought up Tariq Woolen in the fifth round because the cornerback who the Rams took in the fourth round, Kobe Durant, such a limited player. You know, he's undersized. He's more of a speed guy, has some inside-outside versatility, but, you know, he's never going to be that truly elite player. So it just seemed like you were going for a layup, and then, you know, the Seahawks got a three-pointer, right, a round later. So maybe it, maybe that's a, a cause and effect of drafting someone like Robert Rochelle, who kind of fits in the same mold a year ago. You know, he was a fourth-round pick, same as Durant where he's a height, weight, speed guy and kind of a raw player, but he hasn't found the field yet, and he's in year two. So uh, then you try to go for the layup in Durant, and you miss on a guy like Woolen. I just think you're overthinking it. Everyone had their eyes on Woolen in that draft, and it wasn't really the most polished football player, but – um, like, what are you waiting for? Like, you got to if you can't find these elite athletes in the first round, you got to take those shots in the later rounds because, you know, the Rams are missing out on these players that are both elite level athletes and good football players. Those are the people you take in the first round. Right. And then the guys in the that are available in the second through seventh rounds that you're taking these you know high volume shots on. They're either good athletes or they're good football players for the most part. They're not both. So, you know, in Durant, maybe you took the the good football player and you didn't take the elite athlete. But and then in Rochelle, the year before you did the opposite. So I think it's just an interesting dynamic. Uh, you know, your highest pick this year, Logan Bruss, was absolutely god awful in the preseason before he got, suffered a seasoning injury. I'm not sure there's really any reason to be optimistic about his return in 2023. So uh, that one stings even looking back on it, you know, several months later. Yeah, I forgot about the fact that Bruss even played in the preseason. I mean, he was gone so early and. And it, again, you know, that's a problem when you, you know, he's the 104th pick in the draft. You know, you're, you maybe you're going to get lucky at that point. Although I do think at that juncture, late third round, you know, if you're drafting a guard, he's a starting guard. You know, it's interior offensive line. Like that, anybody who gets drafted there, I don't even have it in front of me or whatever, but probably the, you know, usually what, the fourth or fifth uh, guard in the whole draft, probably. So uh, that would seem like, again, it's something went wrong. And you, you brought it up the other day when I brought it up, which was, you know, not all of this can be put on, say, losing Brad Holmes and uh, the Lions, you know, because I was thinking about it, too. I was like, I've actually liked the Lions drafts for quite a while. You know, they just don't really in the last five, six years, you know, they just haven't really come together until now on offense. So uh that's that's one thing uh, about it I, speaking of uh, losing personnel and people and the rams uh, i read an article on nfl.com today about all the top coaching candidates uh around the league and it's just such a long list i mean there's probably i think i'm on this list but uh it's one of the names of the first very first name is uh rams assistant head coach thomas brown who's working with tight ends and running backs um and interestingly this list like i said it's a long one eventually also gets to 27 year old rashad samples who is the running backs coach on the rams who uh i don't want to say got demoted but they were saying you know thomas was gonna thomas brown's gonna help you with this again so uh there's a long list there and you still see a lot of 
Sean McVay or, or Kyle Shanahan influenced uh, coaching candidates, uh, Bengals, Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator and former Rams uh, defensive backs coach and now the Broncos defensive coordinator, Ijiro Aviro, uh, one of these candidates, all of the names, you know, 45 and under, uh, none of the older names on this list, although we know that they're out there too. Um, and Shane Waldron, Seahawks offensive coordinator, uh, all sort of like uh, these these names and Sean McVay and the Rams have been involved in these losing guys over and over again. And we see Kevin O'Connell is eight and one with the Vikings, although barely it makes me think JB about, you know, where the Rams and McVay are at this year. We know that they're struggling, um, but, and we know that William Cohen's who's also on this list, probably only going to get maybe an interview or two. I would, I would suspect if he gets any, um, but Raheem Morris, do you expect uh, Rams coaches to be, uh, at least a little bit popular this year? Yeah, I think between Thomas Brown and Raheem Morris, one of them are probably going to be, you know, a finalist for a job. But, and you know, just because the track record is so good for these guys between Matt LaFleur and Kevin O'Connell and Ezra Evero and Denver's having a really big year, right, despite that offense being, you know, just as bad as the Rams. So I think uh, maybe I'd be more apt to pick someone like Wes Phillips from the Vikings who Kevin O'Connell brought with him or – you know, Evero in Denver. I think Shane Waldron, you, you've been on the, you know, Brad Holmes is a big loss bandwagon for a while, but looking back, Shane Waldron was a huge loss for Sean McVay, especially because he, you know, he was so important in the, in the running game too. He was a tight ends coach and that's what their involvement is. Um, definitely I'd go for those three guys versus anyone on the Rams roster, but maybe that's a silver lining for the Rams in this, you know, kind of lost year is that you can retain some of this talent for once and, you know, maybe keep a Raheem Morris or a Thomas Brown for next year. I mean, would you hire Raheem Morris at this point? I mean, probably not, right? Even though you know his defense has been good, but you know, with the, like a fan base, if if you're a team watching this Rams with this cushion of death on defense, I don't know how you get excited about that kind of hire, right? So that might be the the end of for him and, and his head coaching candidacy this year. But I think I'll, whatever happens with this Rams coaching staff, even if they get you know poached or not, you got to bring some voices in from the outside, and maybe you know a team with a good power running game. You can come in and turn it around for the Rams. Uh, you got to revamp this offense. I think you know just some a diversity of voices in Sean McVay's ear would go a long way. Well, you, you mentioned another interesting thing, which is just bringing in new voices and, and focusing on like a, a power running game and thinking about these sorts of things. I know that on NFL Live this week, uh, they shared statistics and numbers and talk about. Uh, the return of the running game and all that and averaging uh, an NFL averaging a all-time high four and a half yards per carry. Uh, maybe that will go down. I don't know, but it's not too surprising to me. I thought uh, the whole time, I thought we were all expecting eventually um, that the NFL would be able to run the hell out of the football. If every single player on defense was going to get smaller and faster. Right. So eventually the, the running and the running backs that were going to increase in some value, and so I think that's a part of, you know, what we're seeing this year. And there are teams like the Seahawks with uh, another rookie, Kenneth Walker, or always with the Titans and Derrick Henry. And um, obviously the Eagles have a, a trio, like a lot of people running the football. And I think they're number one in rushing yards right now. It's uh, do you see something like that for the Rams? Do you think, you know, uh, maybe Sean McVay would, uh, 
replace Liam Cohen with uh, uh, someone who is going to come out of one of these, you know, I don't even know if the Rams would be able to uh, hire back Andy Dickerson, the run game coordinator that they lost to the Seahawks when Shane Waldron over there. I don't know if that's possible or, or not. I think, I think it is, but uh, do you see something like that happening? Yeah, you made a good point that with all these smaller defenders, it was only a matter of time before offenses pivoted to this heavier running game. I just don't think anyone expected it to happen this fast, right? And the Rams looked looked like they had their pants down whenever this happened, right? So uh, Liam Cohen, we can't forget that you know he was a quarterback's coach or you know he's a pretty low-level assistant. And for him to leave for a year and come back to the offensive coordinator, that's a massive promotion for him. And you just wonder if he was truly ready for this role after you know being an offensive coordinator in college football versus the NFL. That could be a massive leap. And, you know, Andy Dickerson might be a good hire. That would also be a huge promotion for him in only a span of, you know, two to three years, right? Uh, I would like it to see, you know, someone come from an entirely different system where, you know, these teams have these power running games. It's something that they've been consistently good at for so long. Uh, you know, I'm not sure who really comes to mind in that regard, but you get maybe like someone like the Patriots, they have a very unique type of run game. Uh, you know, the 49ers have, you know, so many, I mean, you ha- they're the outside zone still, but they can really be diverse in how they attack on the ground. So that's really what stands out to me. Um, but, you know, you know, Sean McVay, this has lost so much talent around him that, you know, it might be good just to have, you know, like he brought in Brandon Staley in 2020, right? Then he brought an entirely new defensive system. And I feel like you got to have that on the ground in 2023. I would like to, you know, see it. And um, I think that'll also require, you know, looking at the offensive line. And and I, I keep posting this list of running backs that are going to be free agents next year. And and maybe it'll, maybe though a lot of them will be re-signed if, if teams are starting to feel like, actually, you know what, we've been undervaluing running backs and we're going to go back to valuing them again. That could happen. But Overall, I think there's going to be a bunch of good ones on the market. And, you know, the Rams may uh, be best off trying to, you know, get one who costs, you know, $7 million or something like that. I don't know. And it's like, this is Hollywood. So, you know, someone like Saquon Barkley or a big splash isn't out of the realm of possibility or means for the Rams. So it's just a matter of whether or not that's a, that's a good idea or not, you know, so that's, that's still up for debate, Um, but not up for debate. Is anything else on this show? Because we're done. So uh, this episode of Turf Show Times, the podcast, you know what to do. You got to go to podcast apps and you got to hit subscribe and you got to look for us. Should I wish I could just give you a, a button uh, that I mailed you in the uh, mail versus via the postal service, but I can't do that. So you got to hit subscribe somewhere. Uh, JB, final thoughts, Rams versus Saints and what's at stake? Yeah, the future, right? You got to find these pieces and who can you rely on to be part of this roster for the long term? You know, give guys like Robert Rochelle, Darion Kendrick, you know, chances to play. Blaine Grisak, you know, one of the best writers we have at Tertio Times, wrote an excellent piece, you know, detailing the players you might want to give more opportunities for and find out who should stick on this roster moving forward. Give that a read. Yes. I mean, if the Rams do lose this weekend, it's a great opportunity, maybe. Uh, to find out who else you have on the roster to maybe uh, start Bryce Perkins for the rest of the season. I just don't know what, what left is left at that point, you know, but uh, I mean, I always think teams should try to win, win, win. Um, But maybe the best way for the Rams to try to win and and to try to win next year would be to just 
put these players out there that uh, are being sheltered. So um, we'll see what happens this week against the Saints. Do what I said about the subscription. And uh, we'll be back this weekend with Last Minute Thoughts featuring JB, Scott. And then right after the game against the Saints, the Instant Reaction Podcast with myself, JB, and Chris Daniels. So that's it for this episode of Turf Show Times. And we'll see you after and before the Rams versus the Saints.